Before getting involved with prison ministry at Northridge Church, I had never been in prison or behind the bars. I've never been arrested. I've never even visited. But I, I just felt God tugging at me to go. I started out at the old Jackson prison, which is now a museum. And that was quite an experience, my first visit. You know, your first visit's always uh, intimidating, you know, going behind the bars for the first time and just wondering if they're gonna let you out or, <laughs> you know, and, and what, how, how you're gonna be received. And I'll tell you, ever since then, I've been received in love. In prison, it's, it's not a very good life. Uh, you're told when to get up, when to go to bed, when to eat, when to take a shower. It's just a real mundane life with no privacy. A lot of them, their families don't even remember them. I've talked to many people that haven't heard from their families for 10 years or more. You know, they have kids, and a lot of people are at their very lowest point in life. So it's a real tough situation, and, and they need to be reached out to. We have scripture in uh, Matthew where Jesus tells us and asks us, have you visited me in prison? And, uh, you know, we wanna, we wanna do what Jesus tells us to do. We, uh, as a Northridge Prison Ministry, reach about 2,000 people who are incarcerated. And that's not just here in the state of Michigan. Over the last, like, five years or so, we got people in California, down south, all over the country now that are writing and, and corresponding with the ministry. There's young people, there's old people, there's large people, there's small people, all different kinds of folks. And they're all just like us and they need to be reached out and loved. And we have a book ministry. If anyone wants to donate books to prison ministry, contact a church and we will take them and they will be distributed throughout the whole state of Michigan into the prisons for our friends. We prefer Christian-based material. It's just an amazing thing. It's just so valuable to them. Just like getting a letter when you're in prison, there's nothing like it. It's just an amazing thing. And uh, we have a card ministry that sends in birthday cards, Christmas cards, and Easter cards. And every time I do a Bible study, I have at least one person come up to me and say, thank you so much for the birthday card. It's the only one I got. So it's just an amazing thing what our church does for these people, lonely people, desperate people, people that don't have anyone. And we're able to reach out to them and show them who Jesus is. And we see their lives change. It's probably the main focus of my life other than my family. It really gives me peace. It really helps me to connect with our God. We wanna be the hands and feet of Christ to these people. And it's just such a privilege to do that. It's not a glamorous ministry, but it's a very fulfilling ministry to reach out to those that have nobody. Use what we have, and not just the physical things, but the knowledge of our Lord. Show them who Christ is. It's the most important thing we can do.
hope. It's a huge, huge word. It's something that every single one of us need. In fact, hope is essential if we're going to handle all of the crises that we face as a fact in our lives. If we're going to get out of bed and move forward and make positive investments with our life, in spite of all that goes on, we need hope. I love how one person said it. You can go 40 days without food, three days without water, and eight, hour, eight minutes without air, but you can't go a single second without hope. Now, there's hyperbole associated with that, of course, but boy, it captures reality. When hope is gone, life is over. You don't have to experience much of life to figure this one out. And just in the physical world here, I, I learned this in the most profound way when my dad got pancreatic cancer. Actually mentioned my dad in last weekend's talk as well, but it was when he was struggling with the diagnosis that his life was over. Back then, though they've made progress with it these days, pancreatic cancer was a death sentence and they gave him very, very short duration of life. And he fought through it, went past their projections. He and my mom decided that they were going to research and make every application they could, make positive investments. They were spending time with us. He was walking around and they were, and this is amazing to me, talking about the future. He had hope. He kept fighting through it. But then one of the experts told him that they had blown the idea that they could do something about this because they had found cancer had spread entirely through his body and they literally said to him, there's just nothing we can do, no hope. My dad shut down. I mean, he had been up and moving and thinking about the future and when he was told there was no hope, he laid down in a bed, never got out again. You see, when you lose hope, you, you shut down. And I have to tell you, this, this happened to the man whom was one of the strongest, most determined men I'd ever known. This is a guy who could face the Mount Everest of challenges in life and he could, he could like jump over them. He had so much determination, but when all hope was taken from him, life was done. We need hope. I've had the privilege of pastoring for a very, very long time and, and walking with people as they face the significant crises of life. And I have to tell you, the number one thing they talk about is hope. If there's hope, I'll fight. If there's hope, I'll try. If there's hope, I'll keep, I'll keep playing this game. But if there's no hope, why should I? When, when a doctor gives them bad health news, they ask, is there hope? When they're in the middle of a marital challenge, they say, we'll fight, but but is there hope? When facing financial challenges, they ask, is there any hope? You see, we all absolutely need hope. And, and here's the good news. We don't have to turn to, to peddlers of false hope to find it. And you know, that's what people do. We're so desperate for hope that, that they're willing to, to take in the hope people give them who look at the stars and look at their palms and try and, and get out of bed and move forward based upon that. But we don't have to look to peddlers of false hope who disappoint us. We can look to the author of life. And when we do, we'll never be disappointed. When we know God, we know hope. Because listen, hope is his name. 
In fact, here's the truth I want you to see this weekend. God is the only source for true and lasting hope in this world. That which we need to breathe in or we won't keep breathing out. He is the only source for true and lasting hope. Look at Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, look at how the Bible says it. May the God of hope, it's his name. He is hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. We live in a world where people are empty of hope, but when you know the God whose name is hope, you can overflow with hope by the power of his spirit. Ephesians 2.12 says it in the opposite form. Remember, when you didn't have a relationship with Christ, when you were separate from Christ, you were without hope because you were without God in the world. When you are without God, you are without hope because hope is his name. And I want to share with you one of his biblical names and, and show you how his name is hope. One of God's names for hope is Yahweh Shammah. Yahweh Shammah. You can now go and impress the socks off all the people you work with. Yahweh Shammah. What the crap does that mean, right? What it means is I am the God who is always there. That's all it means. I am the God who is always there. There were people who were complaining about God being absent and God not caring about them, not God, being, God not being present. They were talking about how they needed hope. And he says, oh, you don't know? That's my name. I'm the God who's always there. Here's the reality, and I hope you'll get this. You have never been anywhere that God wasn't. Now, you have felt like you've been in places and seasons where God wasn't, like he was missing what you were doing. But all the time, he's shouting out his name. I am the God who is always there. Wherever you are, he is there. Think about it this way. He was everywhere you were in your past. He is everywhere you are now in your present. And as long as you are alive, he will be everywhere you will ever be in your future. You can't get away from him. He is always there. This means you can always call on him. You can always count on him. This is why the Bible says you can draw near to him and he'll draw near to you because he is there. I love Psalm 52.9. It says, in your name I will hope. Of course, because hope is his name. In your name I will hope. Your name is good. Hope is your name. Speaking of when Jesus comes back to this earth and, and reigns again, you want to know why the world's so messed up. It's because, it's because we've decided to live in a world without him in it. He's here, but... We're choosing to live without him in our lives, but there will come a day when he comes and steps back on this earth as king. And the Bible says it will become a new earth and a new heaven. In fact, think about the Middle East. Is there anything more messed up than the Middle East? It's tough. In fact, most people say there's just no hope for peace. There's just no hope for the Middle East. It's never going to happen, but there is hope. In Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35, this great prophet talks about when Jesus comes again and he says, and the name of the city, talking about Jerusalem, this place where it's so difficult to find peace, and the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. Hope is his name. Think about what this means for us. When we genuinely know and, and love God as our Father, we never have to lose hope, ever, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter what's going on. And, and I think it's important for those of us who know God and believe in God who follow Jesus to be reminded of this because I find in my life week after week, month after month, I go through moments and seasons where I'm forgetting that he's there. 
and I lose hope and, and I start shutting down. I stop forging forward and making positive choices. I kind of give up and I know the same thing happens to you. We need to remember he is hope, he is hope and he is here and, and I really want us to, to plunge deeper into that this weekend and, and if you're here and you have not, not yet come to the idea that God's real for you or you've not trusted him, you need to know that, that what you're looking for is, is hope and hope is his name. Finding him is what you need to find because he's what you need most in this world. We never have to lose hope because he is always there. And because he's always there, he's always watching over us. I, I learned a long time ago that one of the important things to, to feel hope and a sense of hopefulness in this world is, is to feel like you're being seen. Because there's nothing more despairing than being invisible, right? To feel like you don't count, you don't matter, you're not seen, if you disappeared, no one would even notice, and there's nothing more despairing than that. And we want to be seen. And I learned this playing basketball in middle school. And I know it's crazy, right? Why would a guy who's short and so untalented choose basketball? I don't know. I should have chosen golf. Anybody can play that sport. But anyway, here's a just a thought. But but I was on the basketball court in middle school, and and I was always looking in the stands to see if the people I cared about. We're watching. Make a good play and you look up. Did you see me? Hope is about being seen, not being invisible. Well, because God is always there, he's always watching and man, that can give us hope in any moment. I, I, I think of Joshua, one of my favorite leaders in the Bible because he, he was asked to step into a position of leadership following Moses, the great man of God. He, Moses had like, huge leadership shoes and Joshua felt like he was a toddler trying to fit into adult shoes and, and he was scared to death. And I know what that's like to be a leader stepping into shoes that are bigger than what you want. And so I've always related to Joshua and look what God told Joshua to do. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't, don't lose hope. On what basis? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Because he's always there and he always sees us, we're never invisible to him. We always have hope. We never have to live in fear. There's hope. There are a lot of things that we can't count on in this life. We can't count always on other people. We certainly can't always count on our health and on there being a job for us and our abilities remaining the same or serving us like they have in the past. But we can always count on God. Always, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. No matter what we've done or what we do, he will not desert us. He's there. Hope is his name. Again, in Psalm 32, verse eight, he says, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you. I'll do all these things. But then he gives us these four words. And I'll watch over you. He sees. He watches. He's here. Hope is his name. Now, I don't want to make lightly of life. I mean, in life, we're going to have a ton of questions. Stuff's going to happen that we just don't understand, that's frustrating, confusing, disheartening. I mean, life is often harsh. But the one thing we can always know is that God is always there and watching us. I, Psalm 23, one of the most comforting psalms in all of the Bible doesn't tell us that life will always be roses, but it says the Lord is our shepherd and he'll even walk with us in the valley of the shadow of death. He's there. His name is Hope. 
He's always there watching us, but it goes further than that. He's always there working for our good. Talk about hope. Wouldn't you have more hope in your community if every single person in your community was always working for the good of everyone in that community? Wouldn't you feel better about our nation if everybody in our nation was always working for the good of everyone in our nation? Wouldn't that just take care of every problem in the world? Of course it would. That would be the basis of hope. Well, you need to know that is the reality of God, always working for our good. Even in the worst of times, we can have this hope. So easy to lose hope when when tragedies strike that seem to make absolutely no sense. But even in those times, we can hope because God is always there and always working. Look at Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's working. Now, I know that most of us are familiar with that verse. If you're not, you need to be. But but even those who are familiar with this verse misunderstand it or wrongly react to it. It's been used often as a cliche to throw around instead of something to really believe. And many people use this verse and teach this verse in a very, very wrong way. And so this weekend, if we're going to understand his name and, and the hope it brings, we have to understand this verse in its truer understanding. And so I want to take a closer look. To begin with, I want you to see what it does not say. It doesn't say, all things will work out the way we want them to. Doesn't say that. But there are people mad at God. There are people here who have have decided to push God out of their lives because he doesn't keep his promises. Life isn't working out the way we want it to. He never said life will work out the way we want it to. He says he'll work together for good in our lives if we love him and follow his purposes. That's very, very different. Can you imagine how bad he'd be as a father if he let life work out exactly like I wanted it to? And by the way, he couldn't let me get everything I want without you losing what you want because we often want different things, right? My kids, they would have eaten ice cream as their only meal growing up. I would have been a bad parent to allow them to. Well, I would have allowed him to. Roxanne was the good parent, but that's a whole different story. (laughs) This does not say that all things will end with the fairy tale ending happily ever after. It's just not true. All things don't end happily on earth. I already told you the story of my dad. People get sick. They don't always get well. Every couple that gets married doesn't have a Cinderella story. So all things don't always have happy endings in this journey on this planet. But but look at what this passage does say. It says, look at the first two words. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. This is saying that we don't have to wish for it. We don't have to dream about it. We don't have to desire it. We don't have to have false hope to get us through it. We don't have to to just work through positive thoughts and positive attitudes. It says we can know he's working. That's a certainty. And there's more. It says in all things, 
We can know in all things God works. There's a grandmaster designer of this universe and he has a plan and it's in action. He's working. History is his story. There's no such thing as fate. There's no such thing as chance. There's no such thing as good fortune or karma. On the contrary, there's a master designer and he is working. Amen. Yeah, we, we make mistakes for sure. But God doesn't. And because he's working, even our mistakes, our worst failures, can be turned into positives if we'll let him. Isn't that amazing? It's one of the reasons that I absolutely love our prison ministry here at Northridge. And I don't know if you saw it, but the three-minute life story at the beginning of the service, and I know it's time change weekend, so many of you showed up late. In fact, many of you came thinking this is the 916 service. Surprise! <laughs> but at any rate, it's like we showed the story of, of one of the people involved in our prison ministry, and we have many involved. Many of you didn't even know we had a prison ministry. There are a couple of thousand prisoners who are being invested in and impacted by the ministry of Northridge Church on a real basis. And, and why would we want to invest in a prison ministry. Well, one reason, of course, is Jesus told us we should love those who are in prison, care about them and visit them, but another reason is because he can turn people's mistakes into positives. And I love that our church family is trying to help prisoners to experience the hope of God because hope is his name, and I'd love it if more of us got involved, and then I think it could reshape us and Next week, actually, March 18th, we're having a training day at the church to get involved in prison ministry. And I mean, you can be a pen pal or a part of the prayer team, or you can be involved in individual ministry to prisoners. And if you're interested, I encourage you to check it out, northridgechurch.com slash prison ministry. Or you can talk to those involved in our prison ministry. They're in the lobby of all of our campuses right now. And, and they actually have some cards that we print up and this, this card is for Easter. We want to send it to prisoners and encourage them that though they're in a place where it seems like it's hopeless, there's hope because guess what? Jesus rose from the dead and they can know him too and we can be a part of that. And, and the beautiful thing is there's hope. This verse, Romans 8, 28, goes beyond that. It says, we know that in all things God works. All things. He works in all things. What, what do you think that includes? All things? Think about what that means. That means that, that we know that in all things God works, which means even in illnesses and unemployment and divorce and failure and unexplainable accidents and the stupid decisions we make and the mistakes we make and the stupid decisions others make and and it, in the pain that all of that brings. He works in every bad and dark thing that can happen on this planet. He works in everything. God can cause all things to work together for good. But don't miss this. It doesn't say that all things are good. All things aren't good. It doesn't say that God causes all things. God's not causing all things, quite frankly, the junk in this world is caused by us, our sin and our mess-ups. All things are not good, and God does not cause all things. But you know what it does say? We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. 
they aren't good, but God makes them work together for good. And we have a hard time with this for some reason. I don't get, God allows this bad stuff to happen, he's allowing this to happen, and you need to realize if we're going to have free choice, then we have to make choices even that, we we have to be allowed to make choices that even bring bad in there, but but God can take all of our mess-ups and and he can work them together for good. And I was trying to think, what would illustrate that well? And I I finally had this thought, it's a weird thought, but that's okay, I'm a weird human being. And here's, here's the thought. Peanut butter fudge is the perfect example of this. And I'm being serious, peanut butter fudge. And the reason I'm talking about peanut butter fudge, and I hate to be pretentious, but I make the greatest peanut butter fudge fudge, or pudge, whichever you like. (laughs) In fact, if you eat my peanut butter fudge, you become pudge. I mean, that's kind of how that works. I make the best peanut butter fudge on the planet, and I'm not kidding. You can go to Mackinac Island and buy their fudge if you want, but just know you're eating crap compared to what I make. That's just the way it is. Murdoch's Furtick's is what I say. But that's, there's only one person actually that I've ever met that makes peanut butter fudge almost as good as I do. It's actually on staff. In fact, we're live streaming with Northridge Brighton right now. It's your worship leader, Justin Cox. He's been here as well. And Justin makes some, you know, really good peanut butter fudge. It's just that next to mine, it's crap. And so I make great peanut butter fudge. You say, what does this have to do with anything? I don't know. I just thought I'd talk about it for a while. No, when you make peanut butter fudge, you realize that all these different ingredients, not all of them are good on their own. It's like sugar, that's pretty good on its own, right? Peanut butter, I, I like peanut butter. It's one of the food groups for me. I mean, that's on its own. But all the other ingredients basically on their own are awful. Some of them are bitter, horrible tasting. They're awful on their own. But you put them all in there, the the good stuff and the bad stuff, and you mix it together, and then you turn on the heat. And isn't life often just filled with heat, the the trauma and the crises and the difficult times? and, And it boils, I mean, to where you have to really boil this thing. And then... And then it turns out to be this beautiful thing called peanut butter fudge. And here, here's what I want you to understand. God takes all the ingredients of our lives, some of which are horrific in and of themselves, and some of which are beautiful. And he stirs them together in the heat of life and causes them ultimately to make something good if we let him. The problem is often we don't let him. We want only the sugar, or we want only the peanut butter. We don't want the other things, but I've left elements out, I mean, of my recipe before. And even though I've worked hard and I did everything else right, I've left some of the ingredients out, and it's just not as good. This is what Justin Cox does. He just leaves a couple ingredients out. (laughs) God knows what ingredients are needed for you to become everything you can become. Isn't it time we trust him? Hope is his name. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's working, he's there. 
Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He's working and he's working things together for your good, but you have to let him. And that leads me to another one because I have found that even though he's working and he's watching, often I forget those things and I, I allow circumstances or the context of my life to lead me to despair and I start shutting down and stop trying and start giving up and and that's when I, I find hope again because he's always willing to help and forgive us. He's always willing to help and forgive me even when I've blown it. Hope is his name. I, I know many of us are here. Some of you are watching around the world, not even anywhere close to where I'm teaching this, but you're experiencing the same thing. Many of us have just shut down. We're paralyzed. We've given up. We're filled with fear because we've blown it and we don't think... We don't think anything's yet to come that's worth looking for, but we're wrong because he's always willing to help and forgive us. Hope is his name. Look at Psalm 121, one and two. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven. And no matter how we failed, he says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what the challenge or how broken you are, or how messed up you are, he is always willing to help and forgive and you need to know hope is his name. A lot of people are facing the idea of their own mortality. A lot of people have a hard time finding hope knowing that in the end we all die or people that we love die, but the truth is you need to know just as God is here so he's there just as he's on this side of death so he's on that side of death he is hope he transcends it all in fact look what Jesus says Jesus says he's preparing a place where we can be with him forever hope really is his name look at John 14 1 through 3 don't let your hearts be troubled trust in God trust also in me in my father's house or many rooms I mean heaven's a reality I'm going to to, I'm going there to prepare a place for you, Jesus says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Do you know what makes hell hell? God's absence. Do you know what makes heaven heaven? God's presence. And do you know what Jesus made possible by dying for our sin and then raising the dead for you and I to always be in heaven where he is? I don't know what you're experiencing in your life today, but I do know you need hope. And, and with hope, there's no such thing as hopeless. The key is we need to experience God as always there in our lives, which leads me to this application. If, if we want to know and experience genuine hope, and all of us need it, we need to know and experience God as our Father. We need to know him and walk with him and experience him because hope is his name. And if we're going to know God as Father, then the very first thing that has to happen is we have to receive him as Father. You might have been born to, to Christian parents, but you don't become a Christian until you receive Jesus yourself. Just because you were raised in religion doesn't make you a child of God. That comes by receiving Jesus but as many as received him, John 1.12 says, but as many as received him who put their trust, who make the choice to put their belief in his name and in all he represents, his death, burial, and resurrection, God gives them the right to become children of God. If you're looking for hope, 
You're looking for God and he's here. You just have to receive him. And so before I give you these last thoughts and then end with an illustration, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you, if you would, right now, just to bow your heads in a word of prayer with me here in Plymouth at all of our regional campuses, Northridge Brighton, Northridge Saline, Northridge Grosseal, and anyone watching around the world, just bow on a, a moment of prayer. And if you're ready to step into a relationship with the God of hope, just pray with me. In your heart, take these words and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I... I need your hope. I believe you died for my sin and I have sinned and I confess it. And I believe you rose to give me new life and by faith, I'm receiving that new life. I'm trusting in you as my hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I just really encourage you, let me know, would you? We've put together information about next steps you can take in your relationship with God and we just have to know you prayed with me or want it. And if you're in one of our services, then we give these programs. You can rip out the connection card, fill it out, tell you what to do and there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there and we'll send you the information. If you're watching online, then just hit the what next button. We'll do the same thing for you. And I also want you to know that at all of our campuses and here at Plymouth, we have prayer teams that meet up front after the service. So if you'd like someone to pray with you or pray for you or talk to you after the service, just come forward. They'd love to do that. Once we receive him as father, then often we walk without hope, not because he's not there and not because we can have his hope, but because we forget. And so we need to always remember his presence. When everything's going wrong, we need to remember he's He's walking with me even through this valley of the shadow of death. He's present. Jesus said it, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. Get this. When it comes to our spiritual lives, we never have to get to where my dad got in his physical life, where we believe there's no hope and we shut down. We never have to get to where we stop because, and this is so important, In Jesus, the best is yet to come. No matter what we're experiencing today, because hope is his name, the best is yet to come. And once we've received him and remember his presence, then what we have to do is we have to always rely on his promises, always rely on his promises. Because he's here. He's working all things together for good. We just have to trust him. That's what helped Joshua become the leader he became. Look at Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. No matter how much burden we carry, we can soar like eagles when our hope is in the Lord. Hope is his name. This is so important to remember because he is hope. In him, the best is always yet to come. The illustration I want to share with you is out of my own life, my own experience in the life of this church and the experience of this church. I I have the great privilege of being married to Roxanne and having my three adult kids and having our grandkids. And obviously, family is the great privilege of life. But other than my family, the greatest privilege of my life has been to be the pastor here for 27 years. It's the great privilege of my life. And here's what I need... 
And here's what I need you to know. When I came to this church 27 years ago, it was not a church worshiping God in hope. It was a church struggling with despair. Wonderful people, good people. They had an unbelievable legacy of impact in this world. It was, has a great heritage. But for 35 years before I had the privilege of coming here and being part of this ministry, for 35 years they were in decline. I mean, dead and dying. In fact, they were talking to me when I was coming in about how they thought they were just gonna have to shut the lights off. And, and, and this church, they really believed that the best was behind them. Yeah, they had a great heritage, but they had not much of a future. That's a misunderstanding of God. You know what God promised? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not come overcome it. You know what God showed us? That even when you put his body in a tomb, he's gonna walk out living. That's what it shows us. And I have to be honest with you, I mean, God has called me here and I know he's given me some gifts, but I'm gonna tell you none of that, look at, none of that turned this ministry around. You know what my job was to do? My job was to tell them the best is not in your past, the best is in your future because hope is his name. That was my job. My job was to help them to see through the despair to the God who can overcome despair. That was my job. I had... They, they were living as a museum of what God had once done and they were looking to the pastor to be a curator of, of the artifacts of what God had done and that's not what pastors are supposed to do. Pastors are supposed to say it doesn't matter what's happened before. The best is yet to come. Hope is his name. And they started believing it and they started buying it and this place went from dead and dying to alive and vibrant and we started looking forward into the future and dreaming big dreams, not because we were big people but because we started believing in a big God and, and he started doing really neat things and that, that's relevant today because today, today, this weekend is our 20th anniversary in this building in Plymouth. 20. And we wouldn't be here today if people hadn't started believing that hope is his name, that he really can make tomorrow better than today. And we thought it would be just wonderful to celebrate the truth of this message and the truth of what God has done here on this particular day as we celebrate 20 years by showing you a part of the journey. Watch. This is where the vision of our relocation begins. This is our 55.8 acres, folks, right here in Plymouth Township. Today, we have the opportunity to be a part of something that's far bigger than any one of us. Imagine the ability, 10, 20, 30 years from now, to hear these same kind of stories of lives changed and, and families put back together, talked about, only this time, they'll be talking about the sacrifices we made to give them their heritage. We get to go into the promised land of God's making for us. It is a new time, it is a new generation. Think about this, before this world was ever created, God had it in his mind that this piece of property and this great creation of his would be used for nothing but for his glory. 
The dirt that we break right now was designed long before you and I were ever here to be a part of the kingdom that God wanted to build. And so as we dig this ground, we do this realizing that it's only through God's will and God's power that it all comes to be. So here's the deal. God took this pumpkin patch, and that's exactly what it was, and he turned it into a place where lives were being changed and his promises were being experienced, and he did it through a people who knew what it was like to live in despair, but when they bought into the idea that hope is his name, he was able to make the best yet to come. And now we're not just one campus on a pumpkin patch, but we're four campuses, and who knows what God has in our future. But this one thing I know for you and for me and for this church, hope is his name. And if we'll trust him and believe in him, it doesn't matter what's happened before or what's happening now. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Let's experience it. Hope is his name. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.
I'm a freeway trailer. If you'd handle what I take it. Separate loads, separate calls, no fine line. Don't have to be a dead rat, cause dead rat can go wrong. Oh, we could be friends. Could be friends. Still dreaming of our glory